I guess if I was to just put the target up, where we're headed is, has to do with about getting your song back. Getting your song back. I don't know. That's what God said, so I'm just going to run with it. You could be singing, but you really don't have a song. You could know music, but there's really no melody. You can say words, but somehow they could be empty. And the ups and downs of life have a, can have a tendency to affect our song. Can affect our song. And there's a flow of life that God initiated in us when we came to Him, when we came to Christ. We've talked about the Holy Spirit in our lives and that part of that flow. And so uh, we know what God's idea and God's program is and His objective, but how do we, how do we maintain that flow of life? It's interesting to notice that in the book of Genesis, God, you know, makes reference to, and in the program of his, he, he, he places a river that's flowing. And then we can walk through the books and discover the rivers. And then when we conclude into the book of Revelations and we look into, you know, that new city and that new dwelling and where everything all of a sudden has been rearranged right. What has been, you know, wrong has been eliminated. We see a river. A river. A river that's flowing river that is maintaining something. On the sides of the river was, you know, all kinds of manner of healing for the nations. But all connected to the river. Jesus said in John 7 and 37 that, and spoke about a river that he was placing in us. A river. A life that's empowered by Christ. Yes. Christ living in you. That word life was used by the Apostle John 36 times. The book of Romans uses it 14 times. And then in 1 John, in the epistles, it's used 13 times. My. I shall be in you a well of living water springing up into everlasting life. Would you give me my scriptures, uh, Dominic, then? Psalms 46 and 4, there's a river. Everybody say river. Whose stream shall make glad the city of God. We're talking about getting our song back. The holy place, the tabernacle of the Most High. Because, see, God the Father is the source. Christ the Son is the spring of living water. And the Holy Spirit is the living streams. They just have flows all the time. It does. It flows all the time. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Jesus made mention of the fact that there had been many previous individuals 
before him, but the majority of them were thieves and robbers. That's what he said. And so he takes it upon himself to specifically let us know that he's here for our good and our success. I have come for life. And not just life, but more abundant life. Now, the question is, is that we not only can have eternal life, or it's not a question, but the statement is, we not only can have eternal life, but we can have abundant life. Because that's what Jesus came for. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Aren't you glad that God starts brand new? All things have passed away. You know, in this recent devastations, not only here in America, but in some of the Caribbean, you know, the uh, there has to be a clean out. Sometimes the storms, you know, leave things in such a way that certain things need to be removed in order for you to be able to repair what has been damaged. And that life. In the world, you'll have tribulation. But don't be too alarmed by that because I have overcome the world. So you are an overcomer this morning. Behold, all things have become new. Perception and seeing. Are things new? Now I'm still in what looks like an old body. (laughs) But God says, you know, I've changed the DNA of it. Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ, but nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. There is a life in you, man. There's a power. There's a potential. There's, there's, there's promise. There's, you know... Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Who's getting the best in your life? The greater one or the weaker one? I can't answer that. But he said, you've got a greater power in you. Okay? Every obstacle, every opposition. For we are more than conquerors through Christ who is loved us defeat will really do damage to our song perception and not understanding you know what I mean what's going on can eliminate the song out of your soul and your life the road to the Emmaus is those two disciples were walking and they were analyzing life. And to them, their hopes and their expectations somehow had crashed. It's not so much your hopes and expectations, it is who your hopes and expectations are in. Because once they found out that he was alive, their hopes and expectations revived. (laughs) They did. 
transformation began to take place. And, of course, they quickly began to run with the good, good news. Was that my last one? No. Okay, thank you. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. These are all old scriptures. All old scriptures. Abundant life consists, he says, of love, joy, of peace. And our song gets interrupted because we think that this abundant life is about stuff. But God-centered life is not determined by wealth or poverty. No, I like them all. Oh, no, I don't either. I don't like poverty. I like, I like wealth. My wife, she got more money than I do. She makes more, she makes more money than I do. She, you know, I mean... I want you to know I have no problem with my wife making more money than me. No, sir. Luke chapter 12, verse 15 says this. Be on guard against all kinds, you know, of greed or things that's going to take your song because life is not measured by how much you own. Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23 says, Let not the rich man glory in his riches, nor the wise man glory in his wisdom. But let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness in the earth. Somebody give the Lord a praise. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) Amen. See, God doesn't want you to worry about stuff. He said, I'll worry about stuff. You pay attention to your relationships. Hallelujah. Absolutely. Relationships that not only have to do with God, but they have to do with your fellow man. Don't want to be too hard. But can a man really say that he loves God if he doesn't love his brother? Eh. <laughs> nope. Ah, you just, it, it, you know. There's an outflow, he says. There's an automatic about this love of God, you know what I mean? That it, it, it goes beyond yourself and it affects the relationships, which becomes a very strong indicator of your relationship with God. People might not get along with you, but you want to make every effort you can to make sure you're getting along with them in your heart. Amen. Hallelujah. The gospel of the kingdom is an invitation for man to return to the realm of life with God. Trying to put it in a sense. What is life? It's a realm of life with God. We went from blindness to sight. We went from, from a destiny of hell to a destiny of heaven. We went from a self-life now to a God-life. Now in this abundant life, we have abundant perspectives. We live, can live life that's meaningful. We know that what we're doing on a regular basis, it's not in vain. The routines of life are, you know what I mean? They now have purpose and, and 
you know, they're not just happening of something that, you know, fills time and space. We can find joy in it. We can find eternal reward in it. This life is, is not so much about duration and things as it is about relationship. Relationship with Jesus Christ. And he's went ahead and did everything possible you know, to connect with us. Amen. So how do you keep the song in your life? How do you keep the flow of God in your life? Well, very simple. You've got to put God first. God first. There has to be a singleness of devotion How do you put God first? Well, I think if it starts with relationship, then you need to nurture the relationship. You nurture relationship. You try to sweeten your life. You don't have to sweeten God's life. You're trying to sweeten your life. We always become the recipient and the benefactor, you know, of the good that we do or the kindness that we show or the relationship that we invest in. We're the ones that always feel better. And isn't that what songs are? Is that you feel better? If I want to feel better... I can just go ahead and tell her how wonderful she is, how kind she is, and how much I appreciate her. If I can do something good for somebody else, and all of a sudden I just feel better. Because that is the, that is the, the offspring of love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He did the ultimate sacrifice. He's not asking us to make the ultimate sacrifice. He's just asking us to do what comes natural to the sacrifice that he's already made, that he's invested in in us. I know there's no discord here this morning. You know what I mean? But let me say it anyway. You know, God says, the most important thing is that you get along, guys. He says, I want you to get along. I don't, he's not saying, you know what I mean? You just kind of, you know, how can I put it, uh, Begrudgingly, <laughs> I really want you to, you know, understand that you're members of one another. My body has never had an argument in itself. Now, once in a while, I've had to have some repair done to it, and they all came to the assistance of it. But it just never had a, you know, I just. I know that's not natural for the natural man, but it's natural for the new creation. And if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. And all of these things that he talks about, you know, you know, of what we are to become, you know, really has to, has to do with, you know, not the spirit man, but the soulish man. When he talks about what we are already, he's talking about the spirit man. You are complete in him. Hello? Really? (laughs) Yes. As far as God is concerned, 
the work that he did in your spirit, man, you know what I mean, has been solidified. And now there's an inward, you know, outward working. So the rest of your body, you know, coordinates with the new life that is in you. It's what we call walking in the spirit. You know, it's walking in the spirit's not on cloud nine. No. Walking in the spirit is just not a good service that we go into. Walking in the spirit, you don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Yeah. I mean, right where the rubber meets the road, you know, right out in the real world. When the opportunity is there, you don't do it. Why? Because I'm walking in the spirit. <laughs> I may not have felt a thing. But I did the right thing because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Now, Paul says, guess what? Is there times that you wrestle with it? Absolutely. He said, sometimes there's a, there, there's a challenge. He said, I wanted to do good, and I didn't do it. Yes. And he noticed that there was a war that was going on, conflict. But you know where he finds his victory? Jesus Christ. <laughs> who's going who's to help me? Who's going to deliver me? I thank God through Jesus Christ, my, my Lord. So it's getting our heart closer to God. Closer to God. Cultivating a relationship with Christ is your top priority. Can we overplay that card? I don't think so. Did you know that you can be so taken up with life and the needs of life that you forget your time with God? This is not about condemnation. This is about, you know what I mean? Getting our song restored. I want to show you something. Fellowship with God must precede all our going out to work in his vineyard. Fellowship with God. It looks to be very apparent that Jesus started every day with fellowship with the Father before he, he went out. Jesus was not moved by needs alone. But he was moved by relationship. Relationship. I'm thinking that all of this stuff has to be balanced, of course, because we know we need to, we need to, you know, work while it is day. But did you know that Jesus spent 4,000 years in eternity waiting for the right time to address the human condition? Think about it. He is watching the disarray. He is seeing, you know what I mean? The plight. And yet he says, when the fullness of time was come, God sent his son. Hallelujah. Relationship, I hope you're understanding. Relationship takes precedence over the need. That's why the first commandment is what? Love God first. And then what? The need second. You see that? The need second. 
when Jesus was talking to, to Martha and Mary, you know the story. He said, one thing is needful. He said, you need to have your heart united with Jesus. Heart united with, with Jesus. The prophet Elijah gives us a little picture. There's two widows that, that, that um, stories that I want to use this morning that, re, that will reflect something because, you know, to help us that when we get damaged, something in our life gets damaged and the flow of life becomes restricted, uh, distortion, you know, of our spiritual structure somehow takes a takes a hit, you know, and and blocks things. Blocks things. And to recognize what it is that clogs those things up in your life, you know, that inhibits the presence of God. He gives a picture of a, a, a of a widow who is who's cooking her last meal. She's cooking her last meal for herself and her son, and and he he gives some instructions to prevent life's flow from stopping. And so the first thing he says is, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. The night that Jesus was betrayed, he, he literally gave a last will. You know what it was? Peace. Peace. Don't be afraid. Give you peace. Peace. He's saying, don't just guard your finances, your careers, your children, your health. You know, guard your heart so that peace does not become evasive. Peace. And it can happen, and only can happen, of course, you know, is when we're not afraid. Why does fear arise? Is fear legitimate? In the natural it is. But oftentimes it's a perception of danger. It will lead to fight, flight, or freeze. Why people fight? Jenny for fear. That's right. Anger is, is primarily a fearful, you know, and fighting to protect. Fear is one of the most commonly used weapons of the enemy. In fact, is fear not is one of the main themes of Scripture. Do not be afraid. In the life of Jesus in the Old Testament. Joshua, don't be afraid. And then he tells us, you know, why. Psalms 23 and 4, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because thou art with me. <laughs> Isaiah chapter 41 and verse 10 says this. Fear not, I'm with you. Do not be dismayed. Okay, all of a sudden, you know, the dynamics and the horizon and everything has changed. It's not like we expected. It brings us confusion. He says, 
don't be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. So many times we want deliverance when he wants to give us strength. Somebody give the Lord praise. Hallelujah. We want the chains and he wants to empower us. Amen. He's got, you know, an arm of his that he wants to reveal. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And the psalmist says in Psalm 56 and 3, he says, whenever I'm afraid. How many know that even the most spiritual of the spirituals get afraid? Well, what do they do? They turn. I will trust in you. I'm going to rely upon you. Come unto me, all you that labor heavy laden. Well, what has, has it been that has created it? There's been some dynamics that have created it, you know? Come unto me, and all you that labor heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly. Now, fear is the opposite of faith. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 26, in the midst of the storm, Jesus says, why are you fearful? Be not afraid. O ye of little faith. I love this because in spite of their lack of faith... He gets up and calms the storm. That's our Savior. It's, you know, it's not always about our faith. So much of the time, it's about His goodness. Hallelujah. His gentleness and his power to start to put a song back in us. Put a song. Fear keeps you from loving deeply. Keeps you from giving freely and it keeps you from dreaming. Excessively. We cannot let ourselves, because God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And so we deal with fear. Then we have to establish priorities and what we already did that with God first, but then it's amazing what serving others will do for your joy. Where we become rivers or a river instead of a swamp. We keep a flow rather than, you know what I mean, collect. Because wherever it collects, it just Stagnates. We make the shift from me to we. Amen? Whoever desires to be first has got to be a slave. I know that's not the American way, but, you know, you have to give your life away. You need to restore somebody's faith because Luke chapter 9 says this whoever desires to save his life will lose it you know in that life you know 
seems to dwindle away. It's because and our song gets affected. Our flow gets affected. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Elijah establishes a basic principle in her life. Very challenging, I mean. You're going to cook your last meal and you're going to give it to somebody else? (laughs) You're just going to die early then by all indicators, but not so. Now, and so she gives, and I like the word joy because it's Jesus, others, and then you. Something about investing that it blesses your family. Blesses your study, it blesses your vaca- your vocation, your profession, your relationships, your finances. It's a principle. Except a corn of wheat fall on the ground and die, it abides alone. Why there's so much aloneness is because there's no investments. No, not you, of course. But improving the flow, renewing the song. I'll ask my musicians to come and I'm just going to jump over to the other story it's kind of piecemeal because I just don't have the time and it has to do with a story where by and large you're asking for more of God in your life How do I get more of God in my life? How do I get more anointing in my life? Well, there's an old phrase that's been coined. Either use it or you lose it. The anointing for its flow, the anointing for more is about giving it to others. When Jesus talked about the anointing in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, or also in, in Isaiah, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me so I can just be anointed. So I can just feel anointed. No. He's anointed me because there's someone in my pathway. And so in 2 Kings chapter 4, the widow in the oil, here she is. Famine has hit the land and guess who Prophesied the famine. Elijah. So now he's having to deal with the prophetic word happening in his life. Now how are we going to deal with the prophetic word when all of a sudden it's being walked out? There's famine. Debtors are coming. They're going to take her two sons. And the story that we're familiar with is, is that she gets the oil and She sells the oil and she pays the debt. But how did she get more oil? She asked for more jars. It's not more more anointing that you need in your life. It's more jars that you need in your life. 
because the oil anointing will flow for as many jars as you encounter. Church. It is. And when there was no more jars, there was no more oil. It stopped flowing. Catch a church. You don't want to do less. You want to do more. You don't want less people in your life. You want more people in your life. If you live your life for yourself, you'll never have time for yourself. <laughs> but if you live your life, you know what I mean? With the idea of, you know, I'm just a jar being poured out. You're going to find that you have more time for yourself. You're going to be more fulfilled, more excited. Because you're pouring your self out. Every church that will get jars to pour into will find anointing. They will. Every individual that's willing to pour. into another jar is going to experience anointing. And that is really what we all want. Because the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. For what? For anointing to fill jars. Jesus went about doing good. <laughs> and we love healing all manner of diseases and all that were afflicted and oppressed. I just love being able to walk into a hospital and just, you know what I mean, touch people and they just walk out. He says, well, why don't you just try doing good over here? <laughs> why don't you try doing, being kind to the unkind? Don't be a swamp. Be a river. I shall be in you a well of living water, springing up into everlasting life. Thank you this morning. Hallelujah. Jesus, in his discourse about invitation, to the marriage supper of the Lamb, which we're getting closer and closer to. And then the last hour of it, he said, you know what I mean? People are not really responding too well to the invitation that we sent out. Hello? I've prepared a feast. Things are really good. It's really ready. I would really love to become, to come. Nobody's showing up. Nobody's responding to the invitation. Well, he says we got to use a different approach then. <laughs> we got to put a little more urgency in it. We've got to put a little more skin on it. Hey Amen. Church, you hear that? A little more skin in it. You heard the coach. I know I'm preaching too long because my, my buzzer went off. <laughs> Get your head in the game. A good coach will say, you leave it all on the field. 
Leave it all on the field. Don't tell me what your aches and pains are. Don't tell me, you know what I mean, you don't feel good today. Don't tell me that. Whatever you got, leave it on the field. Praise the Lord. That's what makes you happy. That's what makes people happy. That's what makes God happy. Some of you need to kick the devil around a little bit instead of letting him kick you around. Seriously, church. He messes you up. He comes with a thought, you know what I mean? And he just speaks a little thing. And he goes, Excuse me, I don't want to be, you know, disrespectful. But he said, resist that guy. How can you resist him? Because you know who it is. You know who it is. Stand with me. Hallelujah. I think if there's one thing that, you know, they want to get in this, this whole thing of, of, you know, getting our song restored. And that is, you don't need more anointing. You need more jars. Turn to somebody and tell them. You don't need more anointing. You need more jars. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, church. Amen. Glory to God. Give the Lord a praise this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 If things are depleting, ask for more jars. Yes. Praise God. Because this thing is not purely about your relationship with the Lord. It's with our relationship with mankind, and not only our relationship with mankind, but we're here for the same reason that Jesus was here. And to give people life. Because we are ambassadors. We're sitting down at some negotiating tables. We're informing them and we're telling them. My sister knows me. She won't mind me using. I won't give details. But this this week, she she restored and helped somebody to restore somebody's faith. Somebody's faith. A connection that was made clear back when this person was about three years old. And as a Sunday school teacher, you know, it was how she ministered. And how her arms were open and she loved this little girl. And now as she's grown and she's went through some major crisis in her lives. And she sees a post on the uh, Facebook that Naomi writes. And that quickens something in the connection. And she reaches out to her. And then she tells her why she was comfortable to come to her. The story of had to do with Sunday school in a Christmas program and the message that she posted, you know, not about how bad the world is and all the sin that's taking place, but what God is doing. They already know things are bad. They already feel the weight of the world. They already, you know, can't take any more pressure. They need a lifeline. Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. I don't know if you noticed this young man right here. When he first started out on these drums. You know, I think the gift was always there, but as he did it more and as he poured into it you know I mean talk about talk about wow talk about amen talk about wow amen now we don't all do the same things okay guys you know what I mean but I found that I feel so much better when if God just prompts me. I mean, he does not send bolt lightnings to me. 
He doesn't give me visions and dreams, you know what I mean? And tell me, you know what I mean? You know, go over here, go over there. He just kind of just so, hey. And if I am responsive and respond to it, it's just the song. Hallelujah. All of a sudden starts just, just play. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay. Now let me say, no, you, I'm not saying you haven't done that. <laughs> Church. But we cannot get tired of finding jars. Because when we get tired of finding jars, the oil will stop flowing. Now, Pastor, how does that work? Just go about your everyday life. Just go about your everyday life. That is where you're going to meet the vessels in the jars that God has oil for you to pour in. Father, as we leave and as we go, we want to thank you. We want to bless you today that we don't want to just be a container. We want to be a container that pours. And I thank you that he who has anointed us is God. Thank you that this people is anointed. We ask for more jars this morning, Lord. We ask for more jars in our lives, Lord. In Jesus' name, we give the praise. All the people said amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. God bless you today.